0: This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Are you you proud of our worship team today? Come on, put your hands together for those guys. Wow, that was weak. Man. These guys got here at 7.15 this morning. Worked their butts off to get ready for you. Can I use that on the platform? And then back there, guys uh, in the sound booth, thank you for what y'all do. And the guys back in the media room, are you glad for our media team, these guys? Come on, y'all can do better than that. Come on, guys. Are y'all just, I I know what it is. You hadn't had your coffee yet. Is that what it is? Listen, folks, we can't do what we do without these guys. And you'll know it in a hurry if something starts, feedback starts or whatever. That's when we start looking back there. But I want to give them props while things are going good. Hands, my hands, hands up. Yeah, do it. There we go. So I'm just so so proud of our guys. Everybody that serves everywhere. You, gotta, you guys see these guys with their blue here to serve shirts on in the room today. Thank you for what you do. Can we give those guys a hand as well? I'm telling you, the, the statistics tell us that within the first seven minutes somebody brand new comes to our church, they've already made an impression whether they're going to come back or not. These guys with the blue shirts on make a difference. Some of you are probably a product of that. You've, you were, you're here today because you came and you felt welcome. You felt like somebody loved on you a little bit and, you, and it attracted you to your stage. Anybody there? Yeah. And then we got guys back there in the nurseries in the kids' church. They're serving today. So you can come in here without having to worry. So we're we grateful for them this morning. I, got, I see some Grow Kids shirts and some nursery shirts on there. Thank you to you. Those of you that are in a part of a small group, listen, let me. can I say something about groups? How important they are to the life of our church? Grow groups are so important. Here's the reason. I love this moment here where we're in the presence of God in a corporate worship setting. It's, it's awesome to experience the presence of God, isn't it? But, but the real spiritual growth happens in what Denise said earlier. You can't do this in a, in a big setting like this. It has to be, I heard it said that circles are better than rows. Isn't that great? Sitting around in a circle and just doing life together, struggling with the same things together, digging in the scriptures together, praying together, worshiping together, fellowshipping together. That's all a vital part of the life of Grow Church. Amen? So I want to challenge you. If you've not joined a group, that's my plug today for Grow Groups. Amen? Those of you that are in a group, you can testify how awesome they are. i lead one on Wednesday night. Come hang out with me. I'm a pretty cool guy, most of the time. Well, today we're going to talk about be the change in the community. We've been in this series the last couple of weeks, and this has been an awesome series for me because it's, an, it's challenging me to really rethink why I, who I am and what I'm supposed to do. Is that done, anybody, done it for anybody else? The first week, Ron did a fantastic job of talking about each one raising one up. Listen, you have a responsibility beyond yourself. You do. And that responsibility is to make a disciple. So he talked about each one raising one. Last week, I challenged the fathers to lead the home well, to lead the way Jesus led with love, sacrificial love, right? Sacrifice and then being a servant. And I challenged you to lead your home that way, to to be the example for your family in leading the way and be the change in your family. So today we're going to talk about being the change in our community. As I was studying for this message, I, I ran across some staggering research that church attendance is declining in America. Has anybody ever, ever ever read about that? And I asked myself the question, why? Why are people not wanting to come to church anymore? Obviously, there are probably a number of reasons why people have stopped coming. Some, some people may have gotten lazy and, oh, wow, if they offer online, I'll just stay at home. And watch it at home, which we offer online. But I'm here to tell you, nothing takes the place of being in the room with God's people. Are you hearing me? So we offer that for a couple of reasons. Why? Maybe you're sick at home, you can't get to church, and you can still be a part of the experience. Maybe you're on vacation, you can t- tune in. But I'm here to tell you, the church needs to be together. Are you hearing me today? And so I'm asking myself the question, why are people not interested in, becoming, in coming to church anymore? And that's one of the reasons I think maybe we've made, it, we've made it too easy for them, maybe. Or possibly it could be that the way we've acted. Everybody's toes just went in, right? If you've been in church for a while, maybe it's the way we've acted. Maybe it's the picture that we painted for, the, church, for the, the world out there, that maybe we are, we're this way at church and this way at home. It hits me. Because I've heard it said, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites at church. Let me tell you something. The church is made up of imperfect, imperfect people. Would you agree? If, the moment I stepped in it, it's imperfect, okay? So the difference is, So what's the difference? The difference is, is if we paint this picture as the body of Christ that we've always got everything all together and the, and the world knows different than that, guess what that is? That's hypocrisy. But if we'll just be up front with them, Say, look, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. Come on, y'all go help me preach this morning. We're just sinners saved by grace. Now, I'm not telling you you can go out and live the way you want to live. I'm not advocating that. But what I am saying is, if we'll paint the picture, listen, all we are are sinners that have been redeemed by the grace of God. And we'll share our story with people that where God's brought us from. We're not where we want to be. Are you where you want to be? Anybody where they want to be, you've arrived. If you raise your hand, you and I will have a prayer session after church. Why do you think that, we, that the Lord gave us the name Grow? Because there's an expectation in this house, in this community of faith, that listen, we don't have it all together, folks. We don't have it together, and so here's where we are. We're at this place right here, right now. We're acknowledging that we are, we're not what we were. God saved us by His grace. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful for that? But I'm on a journey to be like Jesus. So if we want to impact our community, to make a change in our community, somehow we got to change the perspective. I'm not saying it's an easy task. But it's something that we have to do as the body of believers. And you know where it starts? Everybody do this. Don't point at me. (laughs) Point at yourself. We all own it. Everybody that names the name of Christ, we own the responsibility of being the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the Bible describes the church of Jesus Christ as being a powerful church, full of the Spirit. Amen. And that's what we want to be. So I began to, as I was studying for this, I, I was asking that question. And I remember a quote from a guy named Bill Hobbles. I know you guys, if you know him, he, I, you know, he, had, a moral, he had a failure about a year ago. But I, I believe he's right on, on target with this statement. He says, the local church is the hope of the world. Can I say that one more time? The local church is is the hope of the world. And then why is that? I got to ask myself the question, why is the local church the hope of the world? Because the local church is made up of people like you and me who haven't arrived yet. And we rub shoulders with people Monday through Saturday who have not got it all together. Some of them have never accepted Christ as their Savior. We're their hope. You rub shoulders with them. You go to work with them every day. You you, uh, mix with them in your neighborhood. You are the hope of the world. Why? Because the Bible says that we have Christ in us. And he's the hope of glory. Christ in you and me, the hope of glory. So let's talk about this idea of being the change in the community. And I wanna, I've got a lot of questions to ask today. So stay with me, okay? And here's where we're going to start. Matthew 6.33, I read this last week. Read this with me. If we're going to do things, we're going to be changing the community. We've got to lead the way that Christ led. We've got to be the change that Christ was. Can I get an amen? Here's his priority, and here should be our priority. What does it say? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So Christ had one thing in mind when he came and he clothed himself in flesh 2,000 years ago. What did he want? He had the kingdom in mind. He had his kingdom in mind. He wanted to grow his kingdom. He wanted every person that he came come in contact with that was broken by sin to experience the kingdom life. Amen. So that's where we start. His priority, our priority. His heart, our heart. Okay? So let's ask a few questions. First of all, if Christ were here on the earth today, Where would he be? What would he be doing? The next question is, what would be his approach? How would he approach this kingdom priority, this idea of, of bringing people who are outside the faith to a, a relationship with Christ? And then secondly, what, what outcome should we expect? If we're doing things Christ's way, what should you expect? You should expect things to be the results that he got. What kind of results did Christ get while he was here? Miracles. People that were disillusioned and, and were outside, that were outcasts, brought in to a community of faith with Christ, Amen. And I want to share you with you some of those stories out of the scriptures of, of this approach and these, some of these people that we're talking about. What was Christ's heart for the community he was in? These are some sobering questions, aren't they? And I hope that you're taking notes and you're, you're pondering these questions. And maybe we can come up with some answers together. So I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Jesus, when he, got on, when he came to earth and, and was... And, was starting his ministry, what did he do? He went and found 12 guys. 12 guys, they were regular guys. They weren't, they were just run-of-the-mill guys. He didn't go out and, and get resumes from people. No, it was, it was the plain, the ordinary, and some of them even outcasts to join his team. How many of you do that at work? Get all the outcasts, let's bring them in and put them on our team. No, no, we want the best of the best, right? Watch this. So Matthew chapter 9. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Take notice of that. Who's he hanging out with? Say it out loud. Tax collectors and sinners. You realize tax collectors were, they were the outcasts. The reason they were outcasts is because they were, there was this perception that they were being Disloyal to, to Jerusalem, to Hebrews, right? And they were lying in their pockets. So they weren't very light guys at all. So Matthew, one of the twelve that Jesus chose was a tax collector. Y'all follow me? And the Bible says that he was sitting down with tax collectors and with sinners. And I want you to see something here. What? Look at verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, who were the Pharisees? They were the religious folk, the high and mighty folk. They come in dressed to the nines and they, you know, they're the problem. They're the ones who had the problem with what Jesus was doing. The religious folk had a problem with what Jesus was doing. What's wrong with that picture? And so when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What are you seeing there? You're seeing a heart of hypocrisy. Because on the outside, they looked religious, they were keeping the law, God's law, they were keeping it to a T, so to speak. And Christ came and revealed what their real motive and heart was. Do you see it? And look what he says. Here's Jesus' response. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, read this with me. I want everybody to read this in the room. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You understand the principle here, right? Why did Christ come? Who did he come for? sick the soul of the person who's bound up amen so matthew these were his his crew right and jesus says i'm going to paint a picture for you i'm going to show you the way church who to go to you with me let's go to luke chapter 19 Another familiar story. Those of you that have been in church, you guys remember the song? Zacchaeus was a what? Wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up. Can y'all help me sing it? Climbed up in the what? The sycamore tree for what? He wanted to see Jesus, right? And he says, I'm going to your house today. You know the story. You know the song. Some of you may not know that story. But here's the reality. This story... Paints a picture of the heart of Christ toward lost people. Look at this. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a what? He had this affinity for tax collectors for some reason, didn't he? And he was a collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of sort of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus was inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house. I'm coming over for dinner. I got, you got the dumplings and the, and the fried chicken for me, right? Speak a little down home here, okay? So he made a haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained. Here it is again. Guess who's complaining? These bystanders, these Pharisees. And they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I have given half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I will restore fourfold. What has just happened to Zacchaeus? The kindness of God, the mercy of God has reached in and touched Zacchaeus' heart. And you're noticing what happens. There's a change. Something has changed in Zacchaeus. What was it? Simply Christ's compassion on his life. And Jesus said to him, today, look at this, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow, that's some rain, ain't it? His heart was for lost people. The destitute, the broken, the hurting. Should his heart be our heart this morning? Absolutely it should. I don't know about you. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. Can I get an amen? Was anybody dead in your trespasses and your sins? Was anybody addicted? Come on, somebody. Y'all got to help me this morning. Was anybody hurting before Christ? Have you forgotten where you were? When we take on the heart of God, it's a natural inclination for us to be drawn to people who are hurting and broken. His heart, our heart. So I want to ask you another question. Knowing what you know now, what was Christ's mission? Where would he be if he were here today? Can I tell you where I think he'd be? He'd be at Starbucks. He would be at a neighborhood barbecue. Amen. He would be hanging out by the pool with folks in the neighborhood. Why? That's where the broken people are. That's where the lost people are. He would be engaging people outside the faith. Can I tell you a story? Those of you that know me, you know that I I intentionally go to Starbucks. That's why I mentioned that because I want. uh, But I, I intentionally go there because I want to have conversation with people that are outside the faith. And there's this journey that I've been on with one in particular individual there at the Starbucks that I, that I frequent. And it's so funny because I see the Holy Spirit working. I mean, he is working so much in this, this person. So I think I shared with you the story a few months ago that I had an opportunity to share the gospel with this lady. And just a few weeks ago, an opportunity came up again. I'm sitting there working on my message. She proceeds to ask me about my view on abortion, and I was like, oh boy, because I know where she stands, she's, she's a liberal, right, she's a Jewish person, but she doesn't, ha- she doesn't practice her, the religion at all, and so I knew what her, what her point of view was, and I was like, oh boy, I don't know if I should do this or not, because I was really nervous about it getting into an argument with her. But you know what? I felt the Holy Spirit lead me, and I, and I said, "Let me preface this to you, by saying that this, for me, this is not a political issue. For me, this is a biblical worldview. This is my faith." And I proceeded to tell her about how that I feel like every person's created in the image of God, according to gen- Genesis, right? And that every person's valuable because of that, and even in the womb, that at conception and this is, I'm, I'm sharing with you my beliefs too, that at conception, life starts. And that person in that womb is worthy of living because they're created in the image of God. And I went on to tell her that, that, I, that I, it's not political for me, it's just what I believe because of what God's word says. And you know what? She didn't, look at, listen to this, this is the Holy Spirit, she didn't argue with me once. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit's at work. And so... We had a discussion, and she's like, you know, I, I knew my, she, said, she even said it, she said, I know my, my views are way different than yours, but she sat there and listened to me that whole time, and then when, when I finished that part of it, she said, you know what, I want to apologize to you for kind of getting you off on a ten. I said, listen, there's no need to apologize because I come to Starbucks for conversations like this, and then I just, I just went ahead and opened up the door, and I, I shared with her the plan of salvation. Folks, she hasn't come to faith in Christ yet, but I'm, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit is working on her. And here's another thing. Just a, few, a couple weeks ago before I left for vacation, she says, oh yeah, I, I, I forgot to tell you this. On Monday, my son's going to a Christian camp. And get this, she said, I bought him a Bible. Folks, that's where Christ would be. He would be among those who desperately need what He has. His mission. Let's take a look at this. Because I'm here to tell you folks, He didn't come aimlessly when He came. When He clothed Himself in human flesh, He came focused, laser focused on a mission. Here it is, Luke chapter 4. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. His heart, our heart, his mission, our mission. Look at this. This is, this is a story right after. If, you read, if, you, if you're familiar with Luke chapter 4, you know this is a story right after Christ has been tempted in the wilderness. He spent 40 days fasting and praying. And the, and the enemy tempts him and he overcomes that temptation and he's moving out of that into, guess what's happening? The Holy Spirit has prepared him for what's about to happen, what his mission is. And look here. He immediately goes... Where does he immediately go? To church. Look at this. Then Jesus returned in what? Read it out loud. What is it? He returned in the power of the Spirit. Now listen to me. If Jesus understood the value of the power of the Spirit, we ought to, amen? If God in the flesh said, I'm going to rely on the, the Spirit's power, you can rest assured you need it. Amen. And so I think it's interesting that Luke included this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of Him went throughout all the, region, the surrounding region. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Look at verse 16. So He came to Nazareth, where He had been bought, brought up, And as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Where is he reading from? He's reading from Isaiah 61. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Read this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What is he doing? He's acknowledging this power that we need Say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You know what he was? He was saying, folks, there is no question now why I'm here. I am on a mission. Nothing will stop me. Not even a group of religious people who will, who will try to stop it by crucifying Him. Not even them will stop me from coming and fulfilling the mission I've prepared to do. His mission. Our mission. So who are we supposed to go to? Those who are broken hearted. Those who are captive. Those who are Depressed, and as I said earlier, they're not coming to us. What's our mission? Our mission is to go to them—the captive, the brokenhearted, the lost, the sick, those who are not living fully alive in Christ. Why? Because they're dead in their trespasses and their sins. They can't. They cannot rescue themselves. They need help. And the only help that they can get is through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, we already know his heart is for those who are lost. We already know why he came. His mission was to reach the lost, the brokenhearted, the people that are outside the faith. His mission, our mission. And so we have to be prepared to go, folks. They're not coming to us, and so we go to them. Is there anything this morning that's hindering you from going? What is it that's keeping you from going to the lost, the brokenhearted, the destitute? Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, I know if I was to ask you right now, you could name five people that you rub shoulders with every day that need Jesus. Is that right? How many say I can I can Pastor, I can at least at least five names. Let me see your hand. What are you going to do about it? Are they broken? Are they hurting? Are they outside the faith? His mission. Our mission. So let's prepare. That's my job, is to help you prepare. Maybe you're, maybe you're fearful. Maybe you're afraid of opening your mouth and, and just sharing your faith. Maybe there's this idea that, I, Pastor, I'm just not theologically sound enough. I don't know enough of the Bible to be able to share my faith. Listen, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to share your faith. Amen. So here's... Here's some help. First of all, know your own story. What has Christ saved you from? Were you addicted? Were you on alcohol, on drugs? Maybe you were sexually promiscuous. Maybe you were, you had all kinds of stuff going on and you were just bound up and Christ set you free. Anybody have a story like that? Let me see your hand. Share it. Know your story. Be able to articulate with passion, with fervency. Listen, people cannot argue with a changed life. When they see the person that you were and the person that you are now, they cannot argue with the change. And they ask you, what is it? How is it that you're so different? And, and you say, wow, let me tell you. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. And I came to a cross where Jesus died. I received his grace. I received his mercy. And now I'm free. Hallelujah. That's your story. Share it. I can't argue with it. And then understand what the gospel is. How many of how you really in this room, and I don't want to embarrass anybody. How many of you feel like you could, you could, you're comfortable and articulate in being able to share the gospel? Let me see your hand. The rest of you, I want to help you today, okay? There's no need to feel ashamed or guilty. Here it is. It's so, it's, it's not really that hard, okay? Know, know how to share. So here's what I call, this is, this is one, one approach. We call it the Roman road. Anybody familiar with the Roman road? All right, so the Roman road is basically a, a passages of Scripture out of the book of Romans that you can use to lead somebody to faith in Christ. You can share the gospel with them. It starts in Romans 3.23, Romans 3.23, anybody know what it says? All have sinned. It's a very short verse. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. What that does is it, it paints a picture of where, what their condition is right now. They are a sinner. That's where it starts. When they recognize that they're a sinner, then they, they can, oh, wow, maybe I need him. Because here's what's going to happen. They're gonna, the Holy Spirit's going to open their eyes to see their need of Christ. That's why it's so important to be in the power of the Spirit, right? That's why we took five weeks last month in talking about being filled with the Spirit because you need the Spirit's power. If Jesus needed it, you need it. So pray before you go. So that's one verse. And then Romans 6 says, it gives us a clearer picture of, of the consequences of sin. What does it say? For the wages of sin is what? Death. Spiritual death. That's their condition. That's where they are, right there. They're spiritually dead. And then you jump into the good news. The second part of that verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. So they know they're a sinner, they know the wages of sin, and now they know that Christ has come to set them free. So their heart's starting to open up to the gospel. And then you can tell them about Romans 5.8. That while we were still sinners, that's good news, isn't it? While we were still shooting up, while we were still doing our thing, Christ died for us as sinners. That's good news. What was it that drove him to that? It was his love for mankind. So he. They, have, they know their sin problem. They know the wages of sin. They know that Christ came to give them an eternal life. And they, then, now they know what he did to make sure that, is, that he sealed that for them. And then you lead them to this last one, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ has been raised from the dead, you'll be saved. Is that pretty simple? It's very simple. Especially when you have the Holy Spirit already before you dealing with their heart. It's a powerful way to lead people to Christ. But here's the thing. You can't share it if you don't go. Because the people that you hang out with, most of them are probably already in the faith. And so you can practice on them, yeah. But you need somebody else to really share your faith with. Amen. Amen. Oh, there it is. Sorry. So as I'm winding this thing up, folks, His heart, our heart. His mission, our mission. We need to know our story. We need to share our story. We need to know the gospel. We need to be able to articulate the gospel. And we need to pray hard before we go. Here at Grow Church, we've embraced the idea that people need to be fully alive in Christ. And we've embraced the mission of love, teach, serve, reach. Really what that does is it describes a spiritual journey that every person in this room is on. Most everybody in this room, you're in the faith already, right? You already know Christ as Savior, is that right? You're on a spiritual journey. And the mark of a true disciple is the love that you have for God. Amen. Amen. And the love that you have for each other. So here's here's the reality. Love God, so therefore you're going to grow in Him. You're going to advance your faith because of your relationship. This is all out of a relationship with Christ. So we love God this way. Our, Our vertical relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ motivates us to these, these horizontal relationships. Where the body of Christ grows together. We get in groups, we, we learn, we study, we grow together. But it's not for the sake of just us in our ho- little holy huddles just enjoying each other's company. No. The idea is I'm a student and a teacher at the same time, which leads me to this one. If I love God and I love people, that's my motivation. That's what drives me to go out because I know that Christ's love has done a work in me. I'm not the same person that I was and now I want to share this love with somebody else. And so I I go out and I do what Christ said to do. I make disciples. I teach others to grow in God's character. But I have to continue this journey of knowing God and growing in God myself. And it's in the growing that I continue to find the freedom that I need. Maybe when you first got saved, those addictions didn't go away right away, but the more you the more you were like Christ, the more you studied your Bible, the Holy Spirit began to work in your heart and then things began, oh, oh, I don't really want to do that anymore. We call that sanctification. It's a process of growing to be like Christ. It never stops. Why? Because every person in this room, you're on a spiritual journey. And then this last, this third one here, we're going to serve the body. When our heart becomes Christ's heart, service becomes a natural outcome. Why? Because Jesus was a servant. He said it. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and give my life a ransom for many. And then the last one, he's called us to reach. There's some action there in reaching, right? We're going to reach our community by sharing the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ. You remember the story of the, the woman at the well? Everybody remember that story? Jesus went to where she was. As a matter of fact, it was, it was kind of weird because, first of all, she was a Samaritan. And second of all, she's a woman. And I'm, not, I'm just saying the reality of that culture was those were two strikes against him even having interaction with her. But you know what? He didn't care. Why didn't he care? Because he saw past her being a Samaritan and a woman and he saw into a heart that needed to be changed. And so he engages her at the well. And out of love and compassion, reveals to her where she's at, her problem. And what happens? She's changed. And she becomes this great witness for Christ. She runs. How many of you would run if somebody just read your mail? Oh yeah, by the way, you're living with the guy that you're, you're with. You've been married like five times already. Wow, that's, that's some, really some opportunity for condemnation, isn't it? But that's not what he did. He did not condemn her. He revealed it to her. Why? Because he wanted her to change. And then she said, she runs back to the community. Y'all hearing me? And she says, listen, guys, there's this guy I just met. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 what are you talking about? And he told me everything about myself. You got to come see this. Are you hearing me today? When we engage our culture, they'll know it, and they're going to be changed, and they're going to tell their friends. They're going to be the best witnesses ever. Anybody remember when you first got saved? You You would witness to a stop sign. Wouldn't you? What happened? What happened? We got comfortable. We started coming to church. We started growing a little bit. Had some cool friends that that we were growing in faith in Christ, and we forgot. We've lost sense of the mission that God's called us to. And here's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's calling us back to the heart of God, the heart of Christ. There's a a, a spiritual leader in our culture today. He had a quote. I want to read it to you. They can put it up there on the screen for me. The future will be built on Christians who want to serve, share, and engage the mission of the local church. Is that you this morning? Do you want to share that? Who owns that responsibility? you want to do it again? Do it again. Help me. I share that responsibility. I want you to we're going to look at this video in just a second but there's there's two opportunities in the next 2 months in the summer next month we're doing what we call sports camp if you've been around sports camp you know this is a powerful outreach to our community where we bring in between 125 130 kids and we teach them basketball soccer cheerleading and we we teach them art this year i think we're adding baseball this is a perfect opportunity for us to love on the community and do exactly what Christ told us to do, share the gospel. And it's so powerful in this room with all these chairs gone to watch as these kids are sitting there and the gospel's being presented and they, they raise their hands to receive Christ. It's powerful, isn't it? Does that touch your heart this morning? There's an opportunity for you to volunteer. We have a meeting after church today, after 11 a.m. service. There's an opportunity for you to volunteer and make a difference and do something powerful for the kingdom. To take this message to heart and be the change in the community. And then in August, we have what we call Back to Church Sunday. This is an opportunity for you to find out those people who are broken, who are lost, who are hurting, who Jesus would go after and invite them to come to church with you. I want you to watch this video because August 4th, we're calling it Back to Church Sunday. And this is just to kind of get you stirred up to start inviting people. Watch this video.